This is your other brother's podcast. Welcome, friends, to your other brother's podcast, Navigating Faith, Homosexuality, and Masculinity Together. From the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, a sunny and clear, disappointingly so, Jewel of the Blue Ridge, while the rest of the country is submerged in what seems to be a snowy blanket, my name is Tom, and I am so glad you're here. Uh, From the other side of the state, the City of Oaks, it's our other brother, Ryan. Ryan, how's it going? Great. Hello, Tom. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. And I think he, I know Ryan's not under a blanket of snow, but I think our next brother very well may be. Let's go to the city of forts. Our other brother, Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hello. Yes, from the Arctic tundra that is Northeast (laughs) Indiana in the month of February 2021. I am still alive and it's good to be here. Thank you for dating the show. We appreciate the context. people listening in the year 2047 there was snow all over mm. around all around the country like even in texas i'm seeing instagrams from texas like the deep heart of texas just covered in snow power outages crazy crazy times mm-hmm. like is this how it will be in the end of days <laughs> sure <laughs> maybe uh y'all so excited to be back again for another Yobcast. um Hopefully people aren't confused because now when you go to our, our feed, you, you'll find Yobcasts, you'll find Convocasts. There's all kinds of casts happening um, on our on our on our feed, and so it's good to it's good to be back back for the Yobcast and to continue this new rhythm that we are in. Um, you guys, today we have such a great episode because we are talking about belonging. Something that really, that word has struck a chord in me for years upon years upon years. I don't know how, how you guys feel about that word, but the word belonging um, is a powerful word. And we're going to dive into that concept um, with an, another guest, you guys. you guys. Are you guys down for another guest? Always. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, you guys, we're talking with Gregory Coles, Ooh. who... Just as it just so happens to be, has a book coming out. I guess this is when people are writing books. Is this like book book sweeps or something? I don't know. But uh, right on the heels of uh, Preston Sprinkle's new book, Greg Coles has a new book, um, and it's all about belonging. So we're going to talk to him later in this episode. And I already know. We've already exchanged emails, the four of us, and I just have this giddy feeling that this is going to be a wonderful conversation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I bite my tongue and eat my words at, at the end of it. But delightful. I think it'll be a delightful conversation. Indeed. It's it's also great because according to the Zuniga uh, 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 standard, what it, what it takes to quote unquote meet a person, I've actually met uh, Gregory Coles because I've been in the same room as him and saw him across hey. the room. So just like Tom has quote unquote met Chris Tomlin, I have met Gregory no. Coles. Hold so on, I'm so hold excited. On. I am not. Oh, I sorry. Not Wait, you, I have met you met Stephen Curtis Chapman. Same thing, same person. You have met <laughs> both of them equally. 
<laughs> Wrong CCM superstar. Right. Get oh, it right. Shucks. I know. I you know, you know, we're not going to go back into that. People can listen to Too the log and late. decide for themselves. We'll just leave it in our Yobbers hands. So Yobbers, it's, it's up to you to determine if I've met good old SCC, as I call them. TMZ meets SCC. Um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> Thank you for bringing, bringing that up again. Oh, always. Um, so you guys, I... Okay, I'm not going to say the CF trigger that Jacob doesn't like. Do you know what I'm talking about, Jacob? No, I don't. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's it's a popular workout regimen oh, with gyms all around the yeah. country, Sorry. world even. Way, um, way to not trigger him. But so <laughs> <laughs> But but here's okay, here but here's something Jacob, it's going to be a quick turnaround. You're going to be excited because what I have found to replace the gaping hole in my soul with the loss of CF is essential oils. Essential oils have come in like Jesus on a horse and just taken me into a new paradise that I am so grateful for because I connected with someone at my church and he's like Mr. Mr. Essential Oil. And, um, and I've gotten the rundown on all the essential oils, what they do, the, like the scientific properties of them and, and like how it affects you. And for the last couple of months, I have been all in. I'm all in on the essential oil game. And this is the thing that's bringing me life in, a, in an era where I'm not able to work out or move around as much as I wish I could or, di- or what once was able to. Like, I feel, I don't know. I feel like essential oils have reinvigorated my spirit. Like I start every day with them. I literally sit in my giant bean bag and it diffuses into my face. And I feel like, like a warlock or something. Like, it's just like all this, all this vapor in my face and it smells good. It feels good. Yeah. Like alchemy, right? Like I feel like an alchemist or something. Please nobody Um, tell the gospel coalition. (laughs) (laughs) They're not listening. Um, But yeah. And then I go to bed the same way. I have a humidifier that's also doubling as a diffuser right beside my bed. And it, fills me with sweet dreams. I have never had, this is a true statement. This is not hyperbole. I have never had as good sleep as I've had the last couple of months. I literally, and I don't remember a time in life where this ever happened. I will literally go to bed, you know, whatever time I go to bed, I'm not going to say that. Whenever I go to bed, I will wake up and it's morning and there was no turning. I literally fell asleep in that same position. I didn't toss, I didn't turn. I just like collapsed like a rock and I was out. And, and I firmly believe the essential oils are not to blame, but to what's what's the opposite of blame? But to to uh, credit, to credit. Yes, thank you. Um, and Jacob, you've been into essential oils for a while. Like, what's <laughs> what's your perspective on yeah? Oil, so on like the oils, we have some of, oily yeah, boys out there. Indeed, indeed. All of this is kind of it's kind of mixed mixed feelings for me because a I am I am happy for you, Tom, that you have found this and you have found a lot of joy in it. And it's been helpful. But at the same time, like you have, you have known, and I've talked about oils in, in the past, but it took yeah. some random Joe at your church. Who's now Mr. Oily, who now you're like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll try these. These, these are great oils everywhere. But, but I'm, I'm here just little old me using oils for years and you couldn't give a Little rats behind about oils. Jacob, Jacob, he needed a straight man to tell him about essential oils. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing, you guys, because I will actually credit Jacob and I will credit maybe three or four other humans throughout my life who I've been like aware of. I've been vaguely aware of this thing, essential oils. My own mother, actually. Shout out to my mom. Um, She's all into essential oils. And so I've been around the concept of oils for years now. 
Um, I've never felt negative things about it. I've just always been like, okay, little drops of liquid that smell good. What, what's the deal? What, what does it do? What's the point? Uh, what's the long-term game here, you know? Um, and it started before I met this person in my church. I, I, I need to revise my story because he did not turn me on to oils. I was already using oils before I met him. The problem was I was not using the right oils. And if y'all want to get in touch with me about what the right company is, I can get in, I can tell you, I can give you the 411. Um, cause I was using oils a few months before that. Um, because I kind of was ready to start like physiologically changing my environment. Like I needed to sleep better. I was super congested with my disease. I was having trouble sleeping. And so it started with the humidifier. And then I noticed that the humidifier doubles as a diffuser and you can put oils on a little pad and stick it in there. And so I was like, Oh, well I might as well, get some oils and start doing that. And I started doing that. And again, it smelled good. I don't know what scientifically, if it was like actually doing anything or actually helping me physiologically speaking, but, but I kind of liked, I liked going to bed and it's smelling good. Like that's such a stupid, silly yeah, thing. No, I think, no. but no, I love that. I love going to bed and it just like smells good. And, and then same thing, then you wake up in the morning and it was like a process of getting, <laughs> Just like I had this plant obsession where there's plants now in every room of my house. I now have basically have a diffuser in every room of my house, my studio, my living room, my bedroom. Um, and it's been this process of gradually expanding the smell across the entire apartment. Um, and now I'm using like these legit oils and I, I legitimately feel better. So um, I do credit you, Jacob, because you planted a seed, Aww. much like you plant the seed <laughs> of the gospel in someone. You may not see that seed harvest for decades this is, ahead yes, this but you is, plant that seed you be faithful this is and the, who knows what the lord can do the fruit of, of the oil seed that i am happy to see in full <laughs> blossom <laughs> so so jacob when i come next time i come visit you will a i'm gonna wash, wash your dishes, your, all, all my dishes yep. but after i wash your dishes we're gonna just smell oils together perfect i'm gonna i get it now i understand <laughs> i understand where you're coming from so rest assured excellent Ryan, what are your thoughts on oils? <laughs> I remember You've been suspiciously one quiet. time. So when I came to visit Jacob in Fort Wayne, uh, he pulled out his big book of essential oils and showed me that there <laughs> is an oil that supposedly is good for celibacy. Um, yeah. And I don't know what that means exactly. No. Um, <laughs> but it's marjoram, oil of marjoram. Yeah. And I... Uh, every time I walk by like the essential oils section of my grocery store, I kind of like look for marjoram, but alas, uh, alas, they don't, they don't carry it ever. So I've, I've yet yeah, to experiment with that. It isn't a very popular one, uh, probably because we're the only people in the world not having sex. And so it's, it's not really <laughs> like being used by anyone, but um, wow, it is a I'll thing. I'll look and see if my company has, has that. I'll, I'm going to look into that. No voicemails this episode, sadly, but again, we got, and by we, I said me, 26, <laughs> 26 voicemails on Christmas day. So again, thank you guys. Uh, if you didn't hear my, my thanks from the last episode, thank you so much for sending those. If you guys have anything to say either about the Preston Sprinkle episode, this episode, any episode really, um, give us a call at the Yob line 706-389-8009. We would love to play your message on the show. It's so fun to hear from our listeners. Thank you guys. To all of you who have already called, um, I definitely want you, want y'all to feel like you can call anytime. Don't feel like you've you've maxed out your quota and you can't call anymore, or that you've been on the show once or twice. Even some of you, like, um, feel free to keep calling if you have something to say. We would love to love to keep extending 
uh, the connection to all of you guys. So, so thanks guys for listening and responding, um, for commenting on our podcast episode pages too. It's always awesome to see, see folks comment. Speaking of comments on the podcast episode page, Ryan and Jacob, I texted y'all as soon as this happened because X kid seven commented on our podcast episode page. He revealed himself to be the superhero. We all knew him to be Mm. uh, an X man to be. Um, and he commented on our page. We, we referenced this guy as someone who rated and reviewed our show on Apple Podcasts. And it, was, it just delighted my, my soul to see him reveal himself on our website. So thank you, XKid7, for uh, not only for rating and reviewing, but then also, yeah, telling us who you are on the blog. It was, it was so fun to see that happen. Um, yeah, and so if you guys want to rate and review our show, excuse me, let me correct myself. Want to rate and review our shows, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. We would love the extra support. It really does help our shows get more and more noticed by people. So, so thanks to everyone who's already done that. Well over 100 ratings, reviews. We love we love you guys. And last announcement, our, our new website is officially up and running. It's been up and running for a few weeks now. And you know, it's it's been great. It's I love things being streamlined, way easier on mobile to get around our website. Uh, occasionally, there's some kinky things. There's like weird things that are... <laughs> Why do you use that word? <laughs> it has kinks. Ugh. There's no other word. Jacob, I don't know where there you're There are lots of going. other words. Lots. <laughs> Any other there's word, of, actually. I don't know. I don't know. Bugs. I, I, just 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 call them bugs. There's a lot of there's a lot of kinky bugs oh on goodness. our site. So um every once in a while it'll slow down. And so we're we're working on it. We're working on site speed and uh and just kind of making sure everything's as streamlined as can be. But uh this ties into the announcement or the reminder that we have a discord because it was so fun. The discordians, as I call them, the discordians were the first ones to know that our website was live, our new website. And I remember posting the link. So I, I posted the new link or I told them, I don't know if I posted the link, but I told them that your other brothers.com. Um, it was back. It was back from the dead. And literally like within easily within five seconds, 10 seconds, the site crashed. And it was, it was, just <laughs> dead. we had, we had like, I don't know, upwards of 10 or 15 people clicking onto the site at the same time. And it just crashed the website. It was too much for it to handle. Um, and so that was the humble beginnings of the new Yob um, was crashing because of the Discordians who we love, but they crashed our site. Um, but hopefully all the kinks are worked out, all the bugs, whatever you want to call them. And so uh, it's, I'm just super excited to, to continue to, now that the podcasts are back, um, the blog is back. Like if you haven't been to yotherbrothers.com in a while, go and click around and see what you find. Cause it's, it's fun. It was fun to redesign. I think my favorite part of the redesign was updating our about page because that thing hadn't been updated in like three years, I feel like. Um, and a lot can change. A lot can change in a human being, but certainly in an organization in, in three years time. And so it was just, it was beyond moving. I may have teared up a couple times, um, updating our about page to include the journey of the last three years, which, which includes three retreats, which includes all these zoom rooms and book clubs and all the community stuff that's really taken off, I would say in the last three years. So it was fun to, to add that into our story. Cause that's now part of the story. Like it used to be when we first started that blog, our story was everything pre Yob. Like that's, that's on the about page. You can learn about how Yob even came to be. Um, but now the story includes people who are joining up. It includes Ryan. It includes Jacob. It includes um, so many others who have joined along the way, contributing in some way, shape or form, whether on our content side or just being active and involved in our community. Like uh, it's been, it's been fun to see the journey unfold. So 
Um, thank you all the patrons out there. I, I shed a lot of tears for you as I sculpted out that new, that new about page as it represents who we are now in the year 2021. And hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully I update that, that thing again before 2024. So <laughs> y'all, y'all get, y'all hold me to it. If 2023 rolls around, I still haven't updated it. There's, there's surely <laughs> things that have happened in the next two years. So, hmm. um, so looking forward to keeping more up to date with our about page. And Finally, you guys, sponsor of this episode, because we're talking about belonging. You guys, what do you think bees long for? Flowers. Workers' rights. No. Workers' rights. No. The monarchy. No, bees long for. <laughs> flowers actually was a good one. I didn't think about flowers. But no, bees long for honey, of oh, course. Thank you, honey. honey. For sponsoring this episode on belonging, can't be long without it. <laughs> I love so it. Thank you. Honey is great. <laughs> thank mm. you, honey. Not to be confused with the company Honey, which saves you a bunch of money when you like have the browser extension. It'll find coupon codes for you. I highly this recommend. Not that. That's, that is not a sponsor. No. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get beeped out or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Honey, as in the the little teddy bear hard liquid stuff that hard. you get that's that's what we're talking about it's like gelatinous hard. i don't know what the right word is uh, viscous. It's like you have to like squeeze viscous. the daylights out of it to get it out all right y'all we're super excited to have our next guest he is an author and a speaker who collaborates with organizations like revoice and preston sprinkles center for faith sexuality and gender his first book is single gay christian and he has a new book out his second book no Longer Strangers, Finding Belonging in a World of Alienation. He lives in central Pennsylvania, my old stomping grounds of Pennsylvania, where he recently got a PhD. He is now Dr. Greg, Dr. Ooh, Greg Coles. Woo. Welcome to the Yobcast. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to have you. Right, out, right off the bat, I need, we, need to, we need to get clarification. So do you go by, are you Gregory? Are you, are you Gregorious? What, what is your, what, what, how should we be referring Dr. to you Coles. throughout this, this conversation? Mm. <laughs> Dr. Gregorious? What, what, who are you? I think the only people who call me Dr. Coles are my students and one coworker that I used to have at the bakery I worked at for a while, um, who, who just thought it was nice. fun to call me Dr. Coles while I was standing there over a massive bowl of buttercream icing coated in powdered yes. sugar. He would be like, Dr. Coles, <laughs> do you need more shortening over there? Yeah. Um, but no, so, so here's, here's the story about my names. I have always gone by Greg. Um, and the only people who ever called me Gregory were people who were being facetious. Mm. Um, I had trouble identifying as Gregory because it sounded very papal to me and nothing against the popes. I am just not one of them. <laughs> But uh, but then um, when I uh, when I when I started doing some publishing and I got an agent, um, then then my agent was like, look, I want to start pitching your work as Gregory because it makes you sound more literary. And I was like, oh, mm. if you must, Mike. <laughs> um, so it's worked out well now because like, every, you know, everyone I know in my life still calls me Greg. Um, for the most part, I again, I have friends who facetiously will be like, oh, Gregory. But most, most people call me Greg, but it's handy because when people talk about Gregory, I can be like, oh, they're talking about the author. So when my first book came out and, and a bunch of people were like, there's a new heretic afoot, um, <laughs> then it was really tidy to make this distinction and be like, oh, they're not talking about me. Like they've never met me. They're just talking about this Gregory. <laughs> so it just sort of split up my lives a little bit. Um, Greg, okay. 
I hope this isn't embarrassing or, or like whatever, but like we've, Ryan was actually the one I'm going to put this on Ryan. Ryan dubbed February, Greguary in the month, in the, the Yob community. <laughs> <laughs> because here in Yav, we're like, so we're talking to you on this podcast. You have a new book out. And then for our book club, we have a monthly book club in our community. And we're reading your first book, Single Gay Christian, for our book club, which actually meets very soon as of this recording. Um, and so uh, so it's just been February. I've been reading your old stuff, your new stuff. And now I'm talking to you in the flesh. And so it's uh, the month of Greg, which I love. <laughs> I, I received that Greguary with joy. Greguary. I, brilliant, Ryan. I plan to pick that up for myself. It's been wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For future Februarys, you can, I don't know, make it more about you if, if you're not already. Mm. Plan, plan ahead for next February. Basically. Can I ask if this doesn't get us too off topic? How is the, or you haven't, you haven't had the book club meeting. We have yet. not had the book club Ooh. yet. It could be a disaster, but it Ooh. could be great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I can that's, see it going either way, you know, so you'll have to let me know. <laughs> no, I, I joke. I say that ironically because, yeah, we've had four, I think four book clubs now, and they literally get better every single time. We have more people showing up. We have more substantive discussion. Um, we've never done like a personal narrative based book before. So this is going to be fun to like kind of get get a new different type of book in the mix. So, so I'm excited to see uh, what kind of conversation. I'll definitely I'll follow up with you and, and let you know. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear yeah. how that goes. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, well, let's dive into your story because you just written this book, No Longer Strangers, and it's about belonging. And um, you just have such an interesting upbringing because it was kind of cool having read your first book. Like you briefly mentioned in that book, growing up as a missionary's kid, growing up in Indonesia. And I don't remember a whole lot of like, you know, deep, deep story details about, about that experience growing up. But like, but this book was cool because you got to like, dive deeper and share that part of your life, that part of your upbringing, which is super, super eclectic to say the least. So um, it's like, it's one thing I was trying to like connect parts of my story. And I thought my move was dramatic because when I was 12 years old, I moved from Pennsylvania where I grew up to Georgia, which was like a seismic shift in cultures of like North, South, urban, rural, like there was all kinds of, all kinds of things happening. But then I read your book and I'm like, oh, Asia to America. Like that's, that's a, I think that's a bigger jump. So there are, there are more drastic shifts I think that can happen. I mean, though, I will say uh, when I, when I was in Asia, I used to be like, oh yeah, America, it's all basically the same compared to Asia. But then once I got to America, I was, I was like, actually there's a, there's a pretty distinct shift. So yeah, Asia, Asia was fascinatingly different, but in some ways maybe I think in some ways, once you're switching cultures, you're switching cultures, regardless of how weird the transition turns out to be. I learned so much about Indonesia from this book. I know there are many other more in-depth places where I could be learning about Indonesia, but I just learned so much about Indonesia, what it's like to grow up there and live there. And it was uh, incredibly interesting. I mean, it, I, I thought to myself as I was writing, I was like, how can we give Ryan a crash course in Indonesian <laughs> history and culture? So I'm so pleased that it was effective. Yeah, like learning about, like, I don't know, it was so precious. I'm just like imagining little Greg and his friend Zach running around and like, um, like open, open like drainage pipes and chocolate, you call them like chocolate fountains or things. Like, I don't know. It was just like, I'm trying to picture this world because I've never been to Asia. I don't know what that world is like. And it was, you painted such a, a wonderful picture. Oh, I'm so <laughs> I, glad. I, I, I should say in, in, in defense of like, in defense of Asia as a whole, like obviously there's, there's a whole lot of different Asias as it were. So not everywhere has open sewers. Um, it, and, and where I lived was a fascinating 
combination of urban and rural because uh, we lived right on the edge of a massive city. So it was like if I walked 15 minutes in one direction, I would be like very much in the heart of things in a city. Uh, and if I walked 15 minutes in the other direction, I could be like, ah, like out in the rice fields. So there, there was a there was a nice a nice flexibility there to to get kind of a a, a sample platter as it were yeah. of life in Indonesia. Like for you, talk about that a little bit. Like, was that just was it normal? Did you ever like consciously have the thought growing up, like, wow, this is this is not what most people do, or people that are born in America, this is not the life most people live, like living in another country growing up and and like that. Like, I don't know. I'm curious, just like uh, as you were growing up, how you assessed the world around you. I was definitely aware of being different from the world around me. I think the the thing that I found true in my own life is that when your difference or when your experience is different from the experience of other people, there's some part of your heart that wants to be like, yeah, but I'm the normal one. So everybody else ought to be understood as like weird in relation to me. Um, so it it wasn't so much that I thought like, wow, my life in Indonesia is so like weird and exciting and different. It was more like I would look at people in America and be like, oh, they must be so sad. Those those poor people living in America, like I really feel for them. So gentlemen, I just want to tell you, like I come to you with great compassion today <laughs> that you didn't get you to are. grow up in Indonesia. Mm, yeah, um, I was so sad. Yeah. <laughs> no. So there was a kid in my, I want to say like third grade class or maybe second grade class who, uh, this was in Western Massachusetts. His family had just moved from Jakarta and so I just assumed for the longest time that Jakarta, Indonesia was a perfectly normal place to like just have moved from. Um, and like that was part of my like mental like uh, atlas of different places in the world, um, you know, before Beijing and Tokyo or whatever it was, there was Jakarta out there somewhere. I mean, I love that. I feel like it would have been so refreshing for me to meet people like you when I came back to America, because a lot of the people I met when I came back to America, they would they would ask us things like, oh, Indonesia, like what part of Africa is that in? Um, so uh, one time uh, a, a youth group, um, and this was a very kind gesture on the youth group's part. I probably shouldn't be mocking them, but I'm going to anyway. Um <laughs> So when when my brother John and I were in like middle school, there was this middle school and uh, youth group who wrote letters to us. Um, like during their youth group, they all got together and wrote letters and then they mailed them all to us. And so John and I got these letters and the letters <laughs> said things like, I've never been to Indo, but it sounds cool. Is it really all purple like on the map? <laughs> <laughs> There were just there were just so many spicy lines. So John and I used to quote these lines to each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but if we had known cosmopolitan fellows like yourself, Ryan, we we would have just been mm. so much more. <laughs> Amazing. That's that's the adjective I use to describe Ryan all the time. <laughs> cosmopolitan. The hair, the hair and the glasses that really gives you that that cosmopolitan look. <laughs> you uh, talk about in in the book how in that culture there is an. Uh, informal uh, caste uh, system um, and how you, it seems for like just because of being white end up being in one of the upper, if um, if not like the most upper uh, class. Um, and I don't, at least I don't often think about um, uh, people from 
America going to other countries as missionaries and having them be seemingly almost instantly put in this like uh, 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 upper echelon of uh, culture. Um, and I would love to hear more about what, because I, I, as as you write, that had a huge uh, impact on your uh, childhood and you didn't choose to like be in that upper caste. Jacob, yeah. you can't just say he's white. <laughs> I can't. One of my, I needed to sneak that in there at some point. I was like, I, the Mean Girls reference, loved it. I, I was like, yes, just say people thank God. You can't just ask people why they're white. <laughs> yeah, so why are you white actually is what I was going to ask. Don't put in anything that I said. I just want to know why you're white. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate question. Uh, I, I think one of the things that was very shaped by my experience growing up in Indonesia was the way that I thought about wealth. Um, because, well, it was hard to think of myself as wealthy um, because being wealthy is one of those things that other people do, right? It's like having greener grass. Like it, that's for that's for other people. Um, you're never wealthy. You just think like I'm normal surrounded by poor people and then there are rich people, but whatever I am is normal, even though everybody thinks that. And, you know, they think that regardless of whether they're bringing in like 2000 a year or 200,000 a year, they're still like, I'm normal. And everything else is defined in relation to me. Um, so the world defined in relation to me when I was growing up was a world in which I was, yeah, wealth-wise, I was on the high side of privilege. Um, and, and, and that meant, uh, that, that meant that I was, I was accustomed to living in a world where almost everybody around me, not only, uh, not only was I richer than them, but I was very obviously richer mm. than them, um, because because the assumption is oh if you have white skin that means you're not from here um, and if you came here having white skin uh, number one that means you could afford plane tickets which is like not true for the vast majority mm. of the people I grew up around um, so there's already this obvious sense like oh yeah Coles must be swimming in wealth um, I think I think I said in my book like being white publicly uh, where I was growing up was kind of like walking outdoors wearing like a t-shirt sewn out of hundred dollar bills. It's just like an automatic announcement of like, I am rich, um, which I think it, it brings a certain sense of uncomfortable responsibility to feel like how, you know, I mean, the, the Bible literally says, you know, Jesus is telling people like, you know, like, woe to you, rich, you know, um, you've received your reward. And I was like, well, crap, I've received my reward. Like, what am I supposed to do about it? Um, uh, so, so there was a, there was a sort of an urgency to answer the question of like, what am I then called to do as somebody who's really obviously aware that at least in this context, I am a person of wealth even though by American standards, my parents were not people of wealth. Um, uh, and, and I think along with that sense of responsibility, that sense of like, oh, sort of against my choice, I, I happen to be in this place of privilege. There was simultaneously a sense of alienation, feeling like I'm, I'm stuck being obviously different than these other people being stuck apart from them in some way, um, 
even in the moments when I would prefer to blend in or prefer to be able to convince them, like, I'm just like you, man. Mm -hmm. Um, there was always this, this sort of constant awareness in my heart. Like, no, I no, I'm not just like you. And and you know that, and you think that as much as I do, or even more than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think in a way that just became one of the many manifestations in my life of reminders that I, that I couldn't just sort of casually fit into the world around me, but that there was something, uh, however public or private it turned out to be in any given case, there was always something that was setting me apart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, we could nitpick. I mean, there's so many things that you write about in the book. It was, it was cool to like, yeah, flesh out single gay Christian and like, look at all the other layers of, of Greg and all the other like reasons for why he does or doesn't belong. Um, either it's like racially, culturally, um, and then even with like, we can talk about the rest of the book later, but like talking about denominations and where you fit in denominationally, like that's another part, another part of the story. Um, and so I love just kind of like seeing all the reasons why, or all the reasons you've, you've kind of assessed, like where I belong, where I don't belong and, um, and seeing that flesh out because I know in my own life, yeah, I've seen, um, all kinds of reasons not to belong. And, and again, compared to your story, you've been around the world. Um, I've been around the country and there's, I've never felt totally settled. Like I'm still trying to figure out where do I geographically belong? Um, if not spiritually in a community, um, that I'm alongside. So, so I'd love to hear about more about that. Cause you talk in the book about getting dengue fever. Am I saying that right? Dengue fever? Yeah. Multiple pronunciations are acceptable, but we'll I, yeah. absolutely <laughs> accept that one. I Googled it quickly. I was like, I hope I'm saying it right. <laughs> but Greg will correct me if I'm wrong. Were you able to pray the dengue away? <laughs> Alas, it's uh, among a number of uh, things that were never prayed out of my life. Um, <laughs> but the reason I bring that up is because I didn't know anything about this thing, this this fever. Um, but like it well, gets worse. You and worse. my doctors had that in common, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> it like gets worse the more you get it, which like basically at this point, are you like, essentially resigned to like never going back to Indonesia again, or, or would you go back under certain circumstances with certain precautions in place? And, and like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, do you feel like that's home for you? Is it a home you can never go back to? Or like, what's, what's like your, your viewpoint now on the other side of Indonesia? Yeah, I think I'm, I mean, I'm open to doing whatever the Lord calls me into, regardless of the evident risks that may be involved in that. Uh, my sense is that barring some clear call from God, I probably would not go back to Indonesia. Um, in fact, I, yeah, I haven't since then, I haven't gone anywhere in the world where dengue is, uh, a risk. Um, so, which again, is not to say that I never could, the, the Lord is full of creative possibilities. Um, but it's, it's been ruled out as like, oh, an, a nice nostalgic visit home. Um, that no longer seems like a particularly responsible use of my time and money. Uh, and, and I think there has been, certainly there's, there's been some grief that came with that realization uh, to recognize like, oh, this, this place that was such a formative part of my childhood um, and continues you know, in, in my memories, in some of the ways that I process life, I continue to sort of think back, to harken back to Indonesia. Um, even I was in Philly a couple of weeks ago, uh, finishing up the recording for the audiobook for No Longer Strangers, um, which was super cool. And Philly, as it turns out, has like a big Indonesian population. 
So within like a mile of my recording studio, I found a place where I could get like an Indonesian lunch. Um, and then I went to this other place that makes something called martabak, which is kind of like a greasy pancake filled with chocolate and peanuts and cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not talking like cream cheese either. I'm talking like cheese cheese. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a little unusual to the American palate, but so wonderful. So there's like this sense of like, I started eating it and I was just like the immediate nostalgia washes <laughs> over me. Um, and so I think there, there's a very real grief with saying like, it, as far as I understand it, I think that chapter of my life has come to a close. Um, but I think there's, there's a beauty there. Uh, and, and this is part of the dynamic that I think I'm wrestling with in the whole of the No Longer Strangers book. And I don't think I solve it in the book. I don't think I solve many things in the book. Um, but I think it's a dynamic that I, I wrestle with and I will probably continue to wrestle with uh, in the future, uh, probably continue to wrestle with until I die and go home to glory, um, is this sense in which, yeah, like we're, we're sort of all always uh, journeying, like we're never, we're never quite getting to the end of things. Um, and, and, and there's always, I think, a sense of homelessness, a sense that maybe we don't quite fit in the places we feel like we ought to. Um, and, and the temptation for me so often has been to feel like, no, I'll finally belong when I can solve the problem. Like, should I be a Pennsylvanian or a New Yorker or an Indonesian? Those so far are my major options. I'm sort of scared that I'll end up moving to another state or country soon. And I'll be like, now I have more options, darn it. You know? Um, but like there's, there's this temptation for me to want to be like, okay, I have this tension between these places and the time that I'll finally belong is the time that I pick one. Um, the time that I'll finally belong is when I say like, ah, yes, like I I feel politically homeless right now, but someday I'll finally be a full fledged, you know, fill in the blank. I'll finally feel super (laughs) comfortable when I write this on my driver's license and then I will belong. And until then I'm, I'm waiting to get there. Um, and I think a, a, a big shift in my paradigm has been to say, uh, that maybe in the sense of homelessness itself, in the sort of journeying in the never quite fitting on earth. Um, maybe it's in that homelessness that our belonging with Jesus is supposed to be located. Like it, it's precisely there uh, in the recognition that earth is actually not home. Uh, that is how we start to find our, our more permanent sense of belonging in the world. Uh, and so I think when I, when I process uh, the, the absence and, and in some ways the sorrowful absence of Indonesia, um, I think it feels, it feels like a more beautiful kind of grief. Um, if I can hold that in my heart as one of the many things that I get to hold before Jesus and say like, this is a way in which I feel like I don't belong. I feel like there's, there's something that I'm longing for that I don't have yet. Um, and there's something beautiful about holding that before Jesus and having him say, like, yeah, that's precisely the point. You have nailed it. You feel like you don't belong. Good. You got there. Um, and so I think, yeah, I've, I've begun to find beauty in that. Uh, though, again, I, I, I offer that not as like a, a sort of pronouncement of like, I've solved the problem, folks. Like everything is A-OK now. Uh, but I think, you know, quite, quite the reverse. Like, I think, I think that, is the, that is the journey that I will continue to wrestle through. And I think maybe, maybe all of us will to the degree that we're yeah. really actually finding Jesus. 
Yeah. I loved your explaining, explaining that context a little bit. Cause like I grew up outside of Philadelphia and I go home, I usually will go home every Christmas. And there is that sense that I can go home again, even though it's changed a lot. Like I've lost a grandparent, older, older relatives, other cousins have moved away. So it's definitely not the same home. And so it kind of bears like the echoes and kind of the, I don't know, it points to that sense that, yeah, this isn't earth. Planet earth is not, is not home. And it always, I'm always reminded of that every time I go back to where, where I was born and raised. Um, and so it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating to hear your, your perspective growing up in a country that you feel like you're, you're barred from <laughs> in some sense. So, so yeah. Um, Ryan, Jacob, any other questions about either Indonesia or coming to America before we like dive into the church and stuff like that? I mean, I did kind of want to ask, uh, where uh, Greg identifies on the Enneagram that doesn't really fit in with either of those topics, just because I have, as, as I was reading your, your book, which I just want to say is incredible, like just absolutely incredible. Oh, thanks. I had a really, I had a good sense. I thought, I think I know where he would fit in that, in that circle. Um, But I I don't know if that's something that you even is a part of your, your life. Do you talk or think about the, the uh, Enneagram at I all? Mean, I mean, I, I have a self-identification, but I feel like it, it, it seems fitting for, it seems fitting to hear your guests before. I mean, we no, have just seen feels, Ryan's guests. That, feels like, really, that yeah. feels like a really bad way to like interview anyone is to say, hey, I am <laughs> meeting you for the up, first hey. time. This is who you are. Here's the box I just <laughs> went ahead and put you in. <laughs> because then, it, yes. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I just felt some really intense feelings of, uh, four, is that? Oh, no, it's, I was. I'm wrong. I'm Fascinating. wrong. I can so, see it in his eyes. <laughs> he says, "You idiot! I'm not. I'm not four. I, I I would never assess you as an idiot, Jacob. At least oh, not so early you. in our relationship. There's still time for that later on. <laughs> That's true. Uh, no, so so I would I would self-identify as a nine wing one. Oh, Ryan's right. Um, yes, yeah, that was true. my guess. Uh, <laughs> That's also my type, nine wing one. Oh so. uh, wow, there Ryan, we're like we're like twins. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, I mean I don't know I don't know as much about the Enneagram as many people who I know and love know about the Enneagram. So. Uh, maybe, maybe in some way, you know, maybe you could lavish me with, with more, more knowledge about it, though, though I will say, I will say this about, uh, my understanding of the Enneagram, uh, and in relation to actually in relation to some of the dynamics that come up in the book too, um, the sense that, uh, I, I want so badly to make sure that everybody is happy and everybody is okay with me. And I bear some responsibility for that. And, and it can be useful. It can, it can be a helpful skill, but there comes a time at which it sort of begins to overtake me. And it's like, that is my primary goal is just keeping all of you freaking happy. Um, uh, sorry. I don't know. I don't know if this is a podcast where words like freaking are allowed, but we've already done cross <laughs> that area. Um, Tone it down, Greg. <laughs> Do we have to edit this part out? That, that might wind up on the <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, I mean, I think some of the some of the growth that I've experienced in my own life, uh, even just in the past few years uh, since Single K Christian came out, which, whew, I mean, th- that was a growing season for sure. Um, I was such a neurotic mess when Single Gay Christian came out, and I am—I'm still a neurotic mess at times in my own ways. I'm certainly not not past all my neuroses, uh, but I think 
beginning to try to find a healthier way of being a nine, um, somebody who can, who can celebrate the opportunity to bring peace where peace is indeed a thing that ought to be brought, uh, somebody who can, you know, seize upon the, the ability to communicate well to a variety of people, um, but also to begin to learn to be okay uh, with actually having enough of your own identity as a human being, uh, that you begin to recognize that not everybody has to like you. Uh, that if you're hanging around waiting to belong until everyone finally gives you the stamp of approval, you're going to be hanging around waiting to belong for an awfully long time. Uh, so I think that's it, it, it has been, yeah, I've, I've appreciated some of the insights of the Enneagram for that reason. You know, and this, this is a good on-topic question. Um, so my friend Ben, shout out to Ben, friend of the show, uh, he has a theory that belonging is just universally really important to nines. So I'm wondering if you have like a perspective about like how, how being a nine and belonging are, is tied to tied to one another. That is, that is fascinating to me. I think um, my here, here would be my tentative proposal. And again, I say this as somebody who's something of a noob vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Enneagram. Uh -huh, sure. Um, I'm not sure the words noob and vis-a-vis -vis are often used in the same sentence, but I've just done it and I'm not <laughs> displeased by the choice. Um, You're a doctor of words. <laughs> right? Tool for the job. Yeah. I, uh, it, it, I wonder if there's, uh, if, if for some of us, the determination of our belonging tends to be more external in nature. And for others of us, the determination of our belonging tends to be more internal um, so maybe if there are some people who would say like my, my sense of belonging, my sense of fit in the world is mostly like something that I decide for myself, like, ah, yes, now I am satisfied with how I fit in the world. Um, and for others of us, perhaps, uh, we're more likely to look around to other people and be like, please tell me whether or not I fit in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, my experience, at least in terms of my nine-ishness, has been that my nine-ishness causes me to be very much somebody who looks externally to answer the question of whether or not I belong. And so it's, it's a very people-oriented mm. belonging yeah. um, as opposed to like when people are like, but how do you personally feel like, what do you want in your own life? I'm like, I don't know what I want. If somebody could tell me what I wanted, that'd be really great because I could finally figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. see, Jacob, Amen. that's where you went. That's where you went astray. Cause yeah, as a, as a four that I self-identify with all of my searching for belonging is totally internal. I could be in a room of people telling me you belong, you belong, but if I don't feel it, if I don't believe it, then who cares what you say? This is, this is about me. This is about what I feel and what I think, whether I fit in or not. And so, so that's, that's kind of the different wiring that you had to look for Jacob. So Shucks. When we get our next, when we get our next <laughs> author on the show, we can try to project who they are, but, uh, but I'm glad you mentioned your book, single gay Christian, because you do mention that book in your second book. Um, and I'm just, I'm curious to dive into that um, coming out and just like what, what that meant for you. Um, Cause you share some stories and you share some hard stories of people who didn't receive that well. Like when you came out to your community, your church, I mean, you came out to the world essentially when you wrote that book um, and you talked about it on a Facebook post and, and you put it out there. And so um, I don't know, just like what, what was, what was challenging about, about those times? Are you still, are you still glad you did it or, or do you have any, any pangs of regret at all from, from that decision? Like, I don't know. Is that something you think about a lot? I, I have no regrets. Um, life, life has gotten complicated in various ways that it was not complicated before. 
Um, but it has also gotten a lot more beautiful. Uh, I, I think, well, and, and so to, to give, to give a little, a little context, cause I think, uh, sometimes, sometimes when, when people would read single gay Christian, they would be like, oh, like what a clever and strategic sort of move this was like, what a brilliant publishing choice. Uh, single gay Christian was not a, a brilliant publishing choice in my experience of it. It was just like a grand accident. I was like very closeted, pretty much planning to stay that way. But then I was having like this, this grand sort of crisis of heart, just being like, I got to process through a bunch of things. Um, and, and so I decided to do all my, all my processing on, on paper. And then when I finished it, I was like, Oh dear, I've written a book. Uh, and which, which is not, not the number one recommended way to write books for those taking notes. Uh, but I think, um, once, so, so once I had it, then I had to wrestle with like, well, now what do I do with this thing now that it's here? Um, and, and there was a very real sense in which saying, saying yes to sort of moving, moving in, in that direction, uh, essentially moving in that direction with my life. Um, I remember, uh, I had a conversation with, with Wesley Hill, who was like, like Wes, Wes is like my like number one hero. Like he was like the first person I discovered who made me feel like I was not totally insane. Um, and so he he just he has that special place in my heart. But Wes and I had a conversation before Single Gay Christian came out, and he was like, "Have you thought about the degree to which you want like this book and these sorts of things to be like an area of ministry for you?" And I was like. No, I literally just like signed the book contract and was like, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but, but there, you know, my life sort of took a turn and, and some of the things that I had envisioned myself doing before I was out suddenly became much harder to imagine as somebody who was out. There were certain contexts where I thought like, yeah, I'll fit in pretty well as like a closeted, you know, closeted gay evangelical who just seems to be single for no particular reason. I can totally swing that. Um, and then I came out and I was like, oh, never mind. That is that is no longer swingable. Um, and, and so there's there's been a loss of some of those some of those visions I had of what the future could be. Um, but then at the same time, there's been doors have opened up uh, to now be able to have kinds of interactions um, that feel really, uh, really sacred to me. Um, I. Uh, a, a couple months ago, I, you know, I, I got this, this email from a young person, uh, who now we've like started emailing each other back and forth. Uh, and this is a young person who like, I was the first person that they ever came out to. And I've sort of gotten to process life mm. with them. And the fact that things like that just get to happen now, um, every day, I mean, I, so I get quite a few emails somewhere in that variety, um. And every time, like every time I get one, it still feels like this fresh, new, amazing, like how on earth did I get the privilege of doing this? Um, there, I, I think there's, mm. there's a kind of holiness in that. Uh, and so, yeah, I, so life has gotten complicated in some ways. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that complexity for anything. Yeah. Getting those emails in your inbox. That's, I can, I can relate with that too. It's a special, special feeling to, to feel like you're, you're, connecting with another human story and what a, what a, what a cool, what a cool concept. Um, I love Greg. I love your, this, it's the nineness in you. I don't know what it is, but like you're, you talk in the book about like bringing belonging to other people, which 
I'm starting to get there. Like, I think I've made a lot of progress in the last couple of years, but I'm just such a self-centered person. And I, that's just me being super raw and vulnerable, comedic, darkly so. But Tom, you're the only self-centered person on this podcast. So <laughs> the, the, only the rest one, of us bro. are judging you right now. <laughs> I'm the only one. It's embarrassing, actually. Yeah, it's just... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's a thing that I've got is like, thankfully started taking the blinders off of me that I am so focused on my own security and my own belonging. Um, so the concept of bringing belonging to other people, and maybe I'll give myself a little credit of just like me and my friends starting Yab and then, and doing this thing that would bring people in and, and bring them home. Like I, I see that as like my internet ego, my internet personality being super like benevolent and, and helping people belong. But, but then it's like in my real life community, like in my church or in my city or wherever I've lived over the last decade, like that tends to be not as much the case. And so, um, is that something you've, I'm just curious, like, is that something you had to practice at? Does it come naturally to you to, to like bring people in or, or do you just have an eye for the outcasts? Like I think like Jesus did, cause he was always just looking like on the periphery and looking at the people people didn't look at. When I am the most like Jesus, uh, which is, alas, not all of the time, uh, but but some of the time, and by the grace of God, hopefully more and more of the time as time goes on, um, I think I think I I am developing that skill. Um, I, one thing that I remember noticing uh, as as early on, maybe as college, I think college was the first time that I really started to think seriously about what it meant to belong somewhere. Um, because college, I mean, college was the season of my major uprooting from Indonesia to America. It was the first time I was in a place where I didn't know anybody. Um, and, and, I, and I started sort of keeping an eye out for like, what are the things that, that help me feel like I belong? Uh, and I began to notice um, that things that felt like they were all about people who really, really wanted to cultivate a sense of belonging often seemed to sort of fall flat. Um, like I, I sometimes think this, uh, I, I won't speak for, for every church context, but some church contexts that I have seen, uh, the way things like small groups or community groups are run, uh, sometimes they are run in a way that feels very sort of like self-centered. Like this is a group of people who all got together because they just want to belong together and they just want to sort of be happy and fit together. And the, and the sense of insularity, the sense of like inward turning that I would sometimes see in those contexts, I began to realize, I think that's actually counterproductive to achieving the kind of belonging that people are looking for. Um, because it, in my experience, the, the, the places that made me feel like I actually belonged with people uh, tended to be places where I and other people were collectively on mission to do something meaningful together in, in an outward kind of way. Um, mm. and, and, and so I... So I think there there was a lesson there to be learned that the times that I actually experience my own belonging best are somewhat counterintuitively the times that I am in fact maybe least focused on my own need to belong and how I can sort of conjure that up for myself. That there's actually a gift in the turning outward, in the saying like let me let me focus on others. Um, that that there's a way in which Jesus sort of then comes and provides for us the belonging that we need, which I, th I think I would, I would argue that this is, uh, this is what lies at the, at the very heart of 
what Paul says in Philippians chapter two, uh, which Philippians is like my favorite book. So if, if, if I had to quote the New Testament, uh, just like at random, I feel like 70% of my quotations would come from the book of Philippians. Um, but there's this wonderful part in the beginning of Philippians chapter two, uh, where uh, Paul, in, in I think it's verse four, um, Paul will get to saying like, uh, you know, uh, treat, treat others as better than yourselves. Uh, like look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Like this is the turn that he takes in verse three and four. Um, but he gets there by first saying like, if you have any comfort from being united with Christ, um, you know, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Holy spirit, then, you know, and then he's like, then, you know, you can go and do all those things. In other words, he's saying, uh, the, the thing that you're called to as a follower of Jesus is this outward turn, is living a life that is fundamentally not about you. Um, but the way that that's possible, the way that you're empowered to do that is because you do have needs, but God is actually the one who comes and meets your needs um, so that you're then able to go out and meet the needs of others. Um, and so the best way to have your own needs met, weirdly enough, is to stop thinking so darn much about your own needs um, and start living the outward focused life that Jesus is calling you into. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, uh, now's a good opportunity for me to share my favorite part of the book. Um, and the, the entire book was so good. It was just... Uh, poignant and relatable and funny and some parts were heartbreaking but um but like this the one chapter that stood out to me was this chapter um about a man named buck and so you describe i'm not going to give i won't i won't give away spoilers but buck is this person you worked for as a tutor if i recall correctly and um and he had sort of like pathological uh, liar kind of tendencies and was like not hard to get along with, but, um, but I was reading about Buck and I thought, Oh, I've, I've known a person like that, or I've known, you know, I've known, a, we've all known a Buck. Right. And, um, and you talk about how, uh, he felt way closer to you than you felt with him than you felt to him probably. And, um, and you talk about kind of some of the red flags of why you might, and why it might not be wise to get close to Buck. Um, but then you say still behind all these caveats, I can't escape the feeling that I missed something when it came to Buck. Maybe I don't need to know exactly what I missed in order to know that I missed it. Maybe I don't need to answer the question so much as I need the question itself. Would Jesus have chosen to belong with Buck? And that kind of like just punched me in the gut. And the, the note I wrote kind of in response to that was, I hope so. Like, I hope Jesus would choose to belong with Buck because if not, like deep down, I have a hard time convincing myself that Jesus would want to belong with me. And so I think like there's this, there's this really hard tension of like Jesus, Jesus wants to belong with Buck and Jesus wants to belong with me. And yet I'm just a human and I can't like, I can't provide to someone like Buck everything that he needs. And I can't provide to myself everything that I need. And yet I am called to walk on that journey of becoming more like Jesus and being his hands and feet in the world. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if there's a question in there. I was just like, so that that chapter was uh, just so important to me. Um, and I think that I want to become the kind of person who, who is more available to people who uh, a lot of people aren't that available to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I number one, I'm so glad you loved that chapter. That is actually one of the first chapters that I wrote for this book. And I was like, oh crap, mm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can put that in a book. I, uh, but that, I, I, I'm glad I did because it, it, it has a special place in my heart. I, I think, I know, I know that my own tendency um, is to be, well, I, I can have compassion for myself sometimes, or at the very least, I can have compassion for people who need compassion in ways similar to the ways that I need compassion. Um, like, even if I can't have compassion on myself, I can be like, oh, there's another like highly educated, neurotic, gay, white guy who has issues and I feel compassion for him. And then, and you know, and then, and then I sort of slowly peel back the layers and I'm like, wait, I can also have compassion for like people who are not white. Like, and, and there are other ways in which that group of people might need a different sort of compassion or like, I can also have compassion for, but, but I think as, as I sort of get further away from my own experience, it becomes ever so slightly harder for me to remind myself like, oh yes, like this is also a kind of person that needs compassion. Uh, and I think, I think I wrote about Buck because he represents a sort of person for whom I wasn't naturally predisposed to want to have compassion. Um, Like Mm -hmm. he didn't meet a lot of my, in many ways he was so privileged um, that I was like, this guy doesn't need compassion. Like this guy needs to be knocked down a few pegs. Um, uh, And he was, you know, he, he was many of the things in society that I'm like, oh, that's just, gr-, you know, like the, the way that he talked about women just was so revolting to me. And I was like, ah, it's, uh, um, and, and so because he lived uh, the sort of life that made me really reluctant to have compassion on him, I think it took me a much longer time to begin to ask, what does it look like for me to know somebody like that, who I'm so predisposed to not want to feel compassion toward. Um, what does it look like for me to, to be compassionate even toward that kind of person? Um, which obviously does not mean uh, giving them everything they want. Certainly not all of the things that, that Buck was asking of me, some of which were illegal. Um, you know, nor does it mean affirming some of the ways in which, you know, I think I rightly had concerns about some of the things that he did in the world, some of the ways that he inhabited society. Um, but in retrospect, I, I recognize in myself that I used some of those things as an excuse to then choose not to have compassion on the human being mm. who was behind them. Um, and so I think, I think the more I grapple with that, hopefully the more I prepare my heart to be the sort of heart that in the future is just a teensy bit readier uh, to, to be predisposed to show compassion to the sort of people that I'm not naturally predisposed to. Mm. Yeah. One of the one of the the things that is a pretty big big theme in in the book and also something that I am very passionate about is hospitality. Um and this is also a great time to con- confess that I like Tom am also selfish and self-centered and while no, I know <laughs> who would have thought and I am very naturally inclined to use hosting and hospitality 
as a way to be really impressive, do all of the right things, put on a beautiful show, cook excellent food, like have have everything in such a way with the goal and, and the hope that like, because of this, people will love me and will want me and will need me and um, hosting and, and being hospitable becomes more transactionary than actually like authentically loving people. Um, and they, a uh, quote from, from the book that I really love, um, you, you say that hospitality risks being unimpressive in order to be present. And I think back, like that was also like a, this, these are the, the, the theme now is ways that your book uh, punched us. So this, this punch <laughs> in, in my gut was thinking about all of the times, the things that I have hosted, um, hosted things where I have been so focused on being impressive that I was not actually present with the people who were there. Um, and I think that, and, and I know from experience that hospitality is so collected to feel, is so connected to feeling like you belong and you, uh, uh, shared some beautiful stories of people who have, uh, done that for you. And so, um, my question, I guess, is how, um, how is that shaped? the way that you approach and live out hospitality in your own home, in your own uh, space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, because so much, so much of my experience of hospitality has been that the stuff that's most meaningful to me is usually not the stuff that by like official hospitality rating standards is rated highly, right? Like, uh, the like when people put on a fancy show for me, it's nice, um, but it, it doesn't it doesn't stick in my heart as like oh that was that was a place where I felt really welcomed or that was a place where I really felt like I belonged. Um, whereas the the really ordinary stuff um, is 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 the kind of stuff that that sort of stays with me and makes me feel like oh yeah like this is this is a place where where I can fit. And I think in for me when when I sort of turned that outward. I think there was a time in my own life when I was like, okay, I clearly suck at hospitality and I'm never going to do any of it because like whatever performance is supposed to be involved, um, like I, I, I'm, I'm just bad at it. I'm decent at cooking. That's like all I have going for me, but also decent at cooking in like a non-fancy kind of way, like more like, Hey, look, I made a big plot of slop, but it tastes really good. You know? Um, so, so, so there was this time when I was like, Oh, hospitality, like no can do'sville for Coles, because I have this vision of what it has to be in order to count. And, and mine doesn't count. Um, but I think as I've reflected on the kinds of hospitality that have actually felt truly hospitable to me, um, I've started to realize like, no, I think, I think that actually is something that I can do. Uh, and, and indeed something that I am called to do, perhaps something that all of us are called to do to a greater degree than I used to want to admit, um, is to, to be willing to, uh, to live our lives in such a way that other people are welcomed into the ordinariness of our lives. Um, I think, I think there's a, there's a risk involved in that. Um, 
because once you've once you've lived enough life in proximity with somebody, it becomes really hard to keep up the facade. Um, so you know you you have to you have to allow for a certain amount of sincerity, a certain amount of genuineness um, that might be really uncomfortable. But I think when you're willing to cross that barrier uh, and and simply to to be very human in proximity with with another human being, um, then there's there's a there's a lot of gift that comes with that um, on, on both sides uh, for the for the giver and receiver of that kind of hospitable relationship. I think there's something really beautiful that comes out of it. Yeah, that's about being present. Like I think about Martha and Mary, that was like the whole time you were talking about Jacob, you're just like, I see, I see so much Martha in you. (laughs) Fellow, fellow too. Um, Greg, can I get you out of here on one last question? By all means. Okay. Um, Cause yeah, I figure predominantly, I feel like most of our audience is single. I know we have plenty of married people listening to, but I know there's a lot of single guys like us, um, who are just feel, feel the call, feel the conviction on to celibacy and to, to walk out this road as, as singles, as celibates, um, until, until, <laughs> until death do us part or till God intervenes or something. Um, and so again, this intersects with my story a little bit too, like where, where's the line, I guess, cause a lot of guys in our community and people listening and people in the greater side B world, um, there's a lot of woundedness with the church of feeling like I don't belong. I'm different. I'm a minority. Um, like I need people to understand me in order to belong. And I've lived in that mindset for a while. Um, and it's not to say that the church can't stand to educate themselves a little bit and to listen to our stories. Cause I think they certainly can, but, but I've been navigating this line in my own life of like, okay, yes, I feel different. I am different. I am a minority in a sense, but I also have, and my pastor has been super affirming to say this to me, to my face that, that I have something to offer the church. I have something to bring. Um, and maybe in my own personal life, I need to, it's, it sounds harsh maybe to, to someone listening. Cause I want to be careful with how I word this, but to some extent I need to get over it. I need to get over my sense of the church doesn't understand. And then I'm different. And I just need to start getting involved, start connecting and start serving. Cause I have as much reason to be there as anyone else. And I guess for you, for you in your own life or advice that you would give to people who have church wounds, um, I guess, where do you find that line? Where do you find that, that difference between like, I need someone to understand me to belong versus I can, I can just exist in my messiness and my differentness and I can start serving and contributing. And that's how I belong too. It's, it's, it's one or the other. Is it both? Like how, how have you navigated that in your own life? It has been really helpful for me to reflect on my own story in the context of the story of Jesus, uh, which, which is not to say that, you know, Jesus and I have walked perfectly similar lives um, though I am in my 30s now, so you know, rocking that Jesus age. Um, uh, it, but it's been it's been really helpful for me to reflect uh, uh, on the way Jesus' most uh, most sort of uh, prominent ministry occurs uh, in the years that uh, his his most prominent accusers show up. Um, and and there's a there's a kind of simultaneity between the the remarkable gifts that Jesus is offering the world even before he offers us you know the ultimate gift uh, he spends these three years offering these remarkable gifts to the world around him while at the very same time people are being like who is this joker he's not a, you know he's not even a real follower of God you know um, and and Jesus does not wait 
for Jesus does not wait for the religious community to tell him that he's a-okay to start serving the world before he starts serving the world. Uh, Jesus, Jesus responds to his critics, but then, then he goes on and does his thing. Um, and, and it is in, in doing his thing. Uh, I, I mean, when, when he, when he talks about, um, his sense of fit within the world, you know, one of the things that he says is like, you know, my food is to do the one of the, the will of the one who sent me, right? Like the, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't need to like go, go back home and sit down. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm on a mission. I've got things to do. Like I have a sense of purpose. Um, and he's not, he's not waiting to be permitted to have that purpose. Uh, I think there has been a time in my life, uh, especially in the moments when I have felt most inundated with criticism, most like I was not welcome in certain Christian spaces, uh, most wounded by some of the people around me. There has been a temptation to feel like I needed to fixate on those things uh, in such a way that I got distracted from actually being the kind of person that God had designed, designed me to be in the world uh, and to actually give the kind of gifts that I had to offer other people. Um, and, and I think a really important shift in my mindset has been to say that actually the, the best way in which I can possibly respond to the sense that there are people who don't want me around, to the sense that there are people who misunderstand me, to the sense that there are people who criticize me, whether fairly or unfairly, truly the best thing I can do in response to that um, is, is to keep living like the person that Jesus has designed me to live like. Um, that there's actually no better response to the accusation that you don't love Jesus than to just go on living as someone who loves Jesus anyway. Um, and I think when we, when we move in that direction, uh, then, then, then we, we're, no longer, we're no longer waiting uh, for somebody else to give us permission to belong. Um, but we actually find our belonging as we live on purpose with Jesus, who is actually the only one who's qualified to tell us whether or not we belong. Uh, and everything else, even when it hurts, um, becomes a little bit less important by comparison. Amen. Well, Greg, thanks for coming on. Uh, this, is, this has been such, such a joy. I, I would chat with you gentlemen all night. Aw. Okay, I let's. Love <laughs> okay. Seriously, the time flew okay, by. Where, 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 why do we have to go now? <laughs> Part two, starting now. <laughs> no, Greg, I, we would love to have you back sometime. It's been, it's really yeah. good just to, to dive into your story. Like, I know I'll speak for myself. Single gay Christian was super meaningful pers- to just read about someone else like me. You know, some a lot of similarities um, in those pages and those chapters. And I know a lot of guys listening uh, agree with that as well. So, so thanks for writing that book. Thanks for writing this book. I highly recommend it. I've enjoyed it along with Jacob and Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's available now. They can get it everywhere, right? <laughs> all, all the places I know of. Yeah. <laughs> all the places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Greg, if people want to keep up with you, what's the best way to do that? Oh, there, uh, you can, I mean, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Oh, Twitter. When I joined Twitter, I was like, I've sold a part of my soul. And I, but, <laughs> I know. Oh, but I mean, I the, the Lord works even in mysterious mediums. Um, I am in those places and locatable. Um, you can also, if you want to get in touch with me directly, um, I, I have a website, uh, 
gregcoles.com or gregorycoles.com. They both go to the same place. There's a contact Ooh. form on there. And if you fill out the contact form, it literally just sends me an email. Sometimes people will send emails through there and they'll be like, I don't know if this message will get read by Greg Coles, but if Greg Coles' secretary, could, and I, I always get these and I'm like, that's hilarious that you think somebody else reads my mail because this is literally just me. So, so if you want to get in touch with me, that's a way to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully at some point, God willing, um, uh, there will be like conferences and things where people like gather in spaces Ooh. together again. It sounds fantastical. Oh I know at this point in the world, it sounds like a dream, uh, uh, but someday I hope those things happen again. Uh, and I hope I can see you there too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That'd be, it'd be great to see all of you guys in the same space again. That would be, that'd be so great. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome getting to connect with you, Greg. Thanks again for coming on and, uh, yeah, hope to talk to you soon. Yes, indeed. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I look forward to the next conversation. Y'all, I love Greg so much. <laughs> he just has such a delightful way of like telling stories and expressing himself. And he's uh, just so cheerful, but also very much in touch with uh, the the human side of being human, uh, the 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 suffering and the um, the sorrows. Um, and I just, I just love how he always kind of points me back to the joy of Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I didn't bring it. I, didn't, I was, I was in my head. I was like, do I bring this up with him? Because there's a line in the book where he quotes his friend, Rachel, who also has written a book and it's on our resources page if y'all want to check it out. But, but um, I love their relationship and their friendship. And I love how she described him. I don't know if it was in an email. I think it was in written text. I don't think it was an audible form, but she described Greg as, quote, so damn winsome. And I was like, that's three words to describe. <laughs> so damn yeah. winsome. I would, I would mm -hmm. say pretty much sums it up, but, but yeah, I was just super, super stoked that he could be on the show and talk about his book um, and talk about belonging. I know that's a, that is a loaded word. It's a loaded word for me. I know it's a loaded word for a lot of you guys listening. Um, and so I hope we get to talk more about belonging and connecting and serving and, um, and being Jesus essentially um, in the, episodes and the blogs and everything we do to come. Um, and I guess you guys, I guess we only talk to doctors on the show now. Is that just, which I mean, like, honestly, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of cool with because I'm, are we qualified? No, if I, if I don't get my doctorate, if I don't get a doctorate, are you going to like drop me, Tom? No, like, I'm just, do I have just like outsiders. two years to get a doctorate. Yes. When we have guests. So <laughs> okay. like, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm not getting a doctorate. Yeah, Jacob, if you could pass the word to your brother. Yeah, no, I think that. I think that is for sure <laughs> next on his agenda is after having a child, then a PhD. I think is is doctor PhD in chalk art. Yeah, chalk art. Yeah, Absolutely. no, no, it has it has. Uh, I am now fully aware because of these like highly qualified guests that I am no I'm, I'm actually not qualified to say anything of merit on this on um, these episode so from this point on i'm going to be very quiet because but you I, know what jacob i have nothing to sh i have nothing to give <laughs> you know what god qualifies the unqualified and he equips the called he doesn't it's call the equipped it's not the quote but thank you for trying <laughs> that's very sweet did that you i needed were, to tie a bow on that really you were quick. wrong but it's very sweet <laughs> we need to end the episode so You're that right. was Sorry. just my effort to say okay we're moving on. Um, yeah, no, huge thanks to Greg. If y'all want to comment on this episode, anything that you heard um, as we talked about belonging, go ahead to our episode page, podcast episode page at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. 
go to the episode 74 post about belonging um, and tell us what you think. Tell us about belonging in the church. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear your perspective. If you've read Greg's book, either of his books at this point, um, feel free to tell us, tell us your thoughts um, about what you read. Are you going to thank Honey for their uh, oh, yeah. s- sweet sponsorship? Thank you, Honey, for sponsoring such a sweet episode. Honestly, mm. is that not an adjective you guys would use to describe that episode? Sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, it I would say that it's, it is. Mm-hmm. It was sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Mm. It was also not for infants under one mm, age. Yeah. Was it gelatinous? No. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it was smooth yet viscous it was it was mm-hmm. it was flowing well that's all the flowing that's all the time that we have folks so <laughs> <laughs> that's right jacob we need to go thank you guys for listening we'll be back soon and i mean we'll be back soon with the yobcast but we'll be back next week with another convo cast so stay tuned for that mm. uh love all you guys thank you for being here for all your other brothers my name is tom this is ryan this is jacob Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. So long. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. Theme music is Fear Is Not My Lover by Nathan Rousseau. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash your other bros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.